And verse number 8 is one of those you may have memorized. It says, Paul says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Say, His purpose. His purpose. And then back over in Mark chapter number 4. And verse number 35, Mark chapter 4, and verse 35, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. They awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful, and how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? This morning I want to talk to you for a few moments about God's purpose. God says, Father, we thank you today for the word of the living God. Father, we believe today that you have a word specifically for someone or several someones here today. God, I pray that you'll help us to receive your word and to act upon your word today. Lord, we are totally, completely dependent upon your anointing, your enabling, your empowering us today to deliver the word that you want delivered. And we ask for these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. Friends, God has a purpose for everything that happens in life. God works according unto a master plan. God doesn't just make things up as he goes along. He doesn't fly by the seat of his pants. God told Jeremiah in chapter 1 and verse 5, he said, before that I even formed you in the womb, he said, I knew you. And he said, even before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Friend, God works by a master plan and nothing takes him by surprise and nothing sneaks up on his blind side. I want us to take yet another look at the account in Scripture that we have just read. And I understand this is not our first trip through this passage, and I promise you that it will not be our last. But I really believe this morning that God wants to talk to someone here today as we go through this passage. The first thing I want us to notice this morning is the announcement. The announcement, Jesus said to his disciples in verse 35, Let us cross over to the other side. Jesus announces to his disciples, uh, uh, we've been here long enough, let's get going. We've already accomplished our task, and there's work for us to do somewhere else. Get into the boat, and let's set sail and get going. Now, the disciples were a lot like we are. You know, we are not as quick to move as Jesus is, and especially if things are going well. Uh, you know, we say, hey, hey, Jesus, it's pretty good right here. Why don't we just stay here and, and milk this for all it's worth? You know, you know, our motto is don't fix it if it ain't broke. 
Like Peter on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration in Luke 9 and 33. Master, he said, it is good. Ah, it's good for us to be here. Why don't we make three tabernacles? One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I like the last of the last part of that verse, not knowing what he said or not knowing what he was talking about. <laughs> How many understand Peter suffered from that dreaded illness, hoof in mouth disease? Jesus makes the announcement, let us cross over to the other side. If you're taking notes, write these five things down this morning. Number one, Jesus is taking us somewhere. Jesus is taking us somewhere. Oh, number two, he is always at work in us. Number three, he is working according to a plan. Number four, he knows what he is doing. And number five, he knows where he's taking us. But there's one other thing I want you to know this morning, and that is he seldom lets us in on the details. How many know God is not a woman? Women want the details. My wife and I, we seldom fuss. We seldom have arguments. But when we do, it's usually because I don't have the details. God seldom lets us in on the details. Hey, where are we going, Lord? And and what are you doing with me, Lord? And and why are you leading me this way? And Jesus Jesus responds by saying, you don't need to know the details. Just get in the boat and hoist the sail. I know where I'm taking you, and I know what I'm doing, and that's all that you need to know. Second thing I want us to notice is the adversity. Verse 37, a great windstorm arose. Jesus leads them smack dab into adversity. Let me share five things quickly this morning about adversity. Number one, it's, it's universal. Adversity, it's, it's, universal, it's universal. Adversity is no respecter of persons. It happens to good people, it happens to bad people, it happens to saints, and it happens to sinners. It happens to Republicans, and it happens to Democrats. Job 14 and 1, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. The second thing about Adversity, it's unexpected. Unexpected. Acts chapter 27, verse 13 and 14, when a light wind uh, began blowing from the south, the sailors thought that it would be a good day to make the journey. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength caught the ship and blew it out to sea. Oh, they think this is a nice day for a smooth sail and a smooth ride. But the Bible said that the weather changed abruptly. Hear me this morning. The winds of adversity can come from seemingly out of nowhere and at a moment's notice. Things can be going well and great and smooth and wonderful. And man, everything is right and rosy and sweet and marvelous in your life. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, up comes the winds of adversity. A pink slip from work. A spouse leaving a note saying she's had enough of the marriage and wants a divorce. A bad report from a routine medical checkup. 
The third thing about adversity this morning, it's unfavorable. Unfavorable. Nobody says, oh boy, woohoo, yippee, here comes trouble. <laughs> Adversity, awesome, I can't hardly wait. Even the Apostle Paul resisted adversity. He prayed for the thorn in the flesh to be removed from him. He prayed three times. Even Jesus prayed for three solid hours in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there is any other way than this, let this cup pass from me. The fourth thing about adversity, it's unreasonable. Unreasonable. Every, everyone encounters adversity, but But it does seem that some people have more than their fair share. Do you know somebody? Don't look around, but do you know somebody? You just, you know, you just want, you know, it just seems like they always, always are experiencing adversity. It seems like they've got more than their share. Kind of like the man that was on the bridge about to jump off and commit suicide. A man sees him up on the bridge. He runs and he climbs up and gets on the bridge with him. Tries to talk him down and talk him out of his jumping. And, and he says to him, he says, man, what in the world could be so bad? So bad that you would think that suicide would be the answer. And for the next hour, the man told him of his adversity. One trouble, one problem, one dilemma after the other. And at the end of the hour, they both jumped. <laughs> The fifth thing about adversity, and this is a good one this morning, and that is it's under God's control. Oh, it's under God's control. God limited what the devil could do to Job. Jesus was in total control of the boat that he and the disciples were riding in. He was so unconcerned about the storm that he was sleeping through it. Oh, this morning, please do not think that I'm being unsympathetic to your adversity today. But yet the fact does remain, and that is God has a purpose for it and that God is taking you somewhere and God knows what he's doing and God is aware and God is using yes even adversity yes even heartache yes even struggle yes even pain all things he uses together the good the bad the ugly he uses it all amen to work things out for us for our betterment for his glory and always according unto his purpose Oh, He uses even adversity to benefit us and teach us and test us and train us and conform us into the image of His dear Son. The third thing I want us to see in this little story is the alliance. Verse 36, there were other little boats with Him. Other little boats were also with Him. Friend, aren't you thankful that we're not in this thing all by ourselves? We're not in this thing. Look around this morning. There are other little boats around us this morning. Amen. You know, I I don't know, but I just wonder if possibly they could have somehow tied their boats together. Uh, Maybe each boat could throw a rope to the next and they could throw a a rope to the next and them to the next and so on and so forth. And each one being tied to one another. Oh, I hear people say from time to time, I don't need to go to church. I can serve God at home. 
Oh, I know there are churches that, that say, we don't need to be part of a fellowship. We don't need to be part of a, of a denomination. We can be totally independent. But oh, this morning, how much better it is when we, as the people of God, and we, as a church body, form an alliance with other saints and with other Christians. Amen. There are other little boats out there. We're not in this thing all by ourselves. Amen. Oh, the wisdom writer wrote in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter number 4, and verse 9 through 12. He writes, two are better than one, oh, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one can lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? And though one may be overpowered by another, yet two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Friend, when our boat is linked together with other boats, we can help one another. Uh, We can call out for help uh, and know that there's somebody that is linked up with us. There's somebody that is close by that can help us. Oh, we can encourage one another. Hey, hey, how are you guys doing over there? How's it going? Are y'all doing all right? Oh, and when we see that other little boats are going through the same storm that we are going in, uh, and they are staying afloat, it encourages us. Hey, if they can make it, uh, if they can stay afloat, if they can stay above and keep going, so can I. And it encourages us. The fourth thing I see in this story is the anxiety. Verse 38, they woke up Jesus. In the New Living Translations, it says they said they woke up Jesus shouting, shouting, Don't you care that we're perishing? Can you just hear the anxiety in their voices? Now, this must have been quite a storm because these disciples were not novices. They were expert boatsmen, many of them fishermen by trade. They were no stranger to rough water. Uh, ah, this wasn't the first storm that they had been in before. This wasn't just some little storm. They were in perhaps the storm of their life. And maybe, maybe this morning this describes somebody here today. You are facing the storm, but it is not just any little old storm. You've been in storms before, but today you are facing the storm of your life. You've never been in a situation quite like you are in today. What you are going through is more than simply a clap of thunder and a bolt or two of lightning. Oh, oh, your boat of life is rocking and reeling. You never faced anything quite like this before. And anxiety has knocked upon your door. And not only have you invited him in, but you have given him a little iced tea and set him down on the couch and entertained him. No doubt these disciples probably fed off of each other and their fear and their anxiety. Proverbs 12 and 25 says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Oh, but it ends by saying a good word makes it glad. Often when we are depressed, when we are despondent, when we are down, when we are singing the blues, we do one of two things. We either seek out people who are just like us, or we look Or or we lock ourselves up 
all by ourselves in a hibernate and have our own little pity party. Oh, but the wisdom writer said a good word makes us glad. Friend, when we are down, when we are despondent, when we are depressed, oh, it is a time when we need God's house and we need God's word and we need God's people like we've never needed them before. Notice the fifth thing I see in this story, and that is the appeal. The appeal in verse 38, they awoke him. They awoke him. Well, at least these disciples knew who to take their anxiety to. No doubt these guys had done everything they knew to do in this situation. They were expert boatsmen. They were fishermen, many of them by trade. They knew what to do. And no doubt they had done everything in their power. They had done everything they knew to do. And things were not getting any better. In fact, things were getting progressively worse. Even like the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 long years she suffered. And for 12 long years she sought out help from the medical profession. But the Bible said she didn't get any better. The Bible said she even got progressively worse. But oh, she made an appeal. Oh, she would appeal her case before the healer. And she said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. She did. And she was. The disciples have run out of options. They have used up all of their ideas. They have no other strategy. They must make an appeal to the master and soul. And so they awaken him. Oh, oh, how about you this morning? How about you? Have you reached the end of your rope? Have you even tied a knot at the end of, uh, of the rope? And yet even it is beginning to fray. If so, this morning make an appeal to the master. Make an appeal to the master this morning. Oh, oh, you've done everything you know to do. You've done everything that you know that you know to do. Oh, oh, why not turn the situation over to the Lord? Why not make an appeal? Oh, an appeal to the master for help. The psalmist said in Psalm 34 and 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. I'm telling you this morning, if you will cry out to the Lord and make an appeal to the Lord, he will hear and he will answer you today. Well, the sixth thing that I see in this story is the accusation. The accusation, verse 38, they awoke him and they said to him, Do you even care that we are perishing? Do you even care? Now, it doesn't say it here, but I can even, just knowing Peter a little bit, what we know about him, I, I can even hear Peter saying something like, 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 Lord, it's all your fault that we're out here. This is your doings. Lord, I'm a fisherman. I know how to discern the sky. I knew it wasn't smart for us to get out here on the water. I knew better. And I even tried to talk you out of it. Lord, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. Why didn't you listen to me? (laughs) Have you ever blamed God for your problems? Hey, God, I prayed about this. God, I ask you if I ought to do this or not. And I felt impressed to do it. And now I'm in the storm. God, why didn't you lead me in another direction? Why, why didn't you stop this from happening? You, you are omnipotent. You are all powerful. Why, why did you let this happen? God, don't you even care about me at all? God, where were you? Where were you when this happened? Where were you when that happened? 
God, are you even aware of what's going on? Ever accused God before? The seventh thing I see in this story is the action. Verse 39, he arose. He rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Oh, hear me this morning, saints of God. God is in charge. He is in control. And he has a purpose and he has a plan. And he's at work. Even when you can't see him. Even when you can't hear him. Even when you can't feel him. He's still at work. And at the perfect time. In his timing. Oh, he will stand. Oh, and he will speak to the storm in your life. And he will say, enough already. Peace be still. And a calm will prevail in your life once again. The eighth thing I see in this story. How many notice I didn't tell you how many points I had this morning. Didn't want to scare you to death. The eighth thing I see in this story, and you still don't know how many. We're almost halfway. No, I'm kidding. The eighth thing that I see in this story is the agitation. The agitation, verse 40, but Jesus said to them, why are you so fearful and how is it that you don't have any faith? Now remember, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And I'm well aware of the fact that Jesus never sinned, nor did he ever get close. But he did show his humanity. And Jesus is a bit agitated. I don't like people to wake me up when I'm sleeping either. Especially when they've got a big problem and there's no problem at all. And Jesus is a bit agitated. He's a bit put out with his fearful disciples. He had already settled the issue. He had already told them already. He said, let us cross over to the other side. Friend, he wasn't going to lead them under. He was leading them over. Oh, he had never failed them before. He wouldn't fail them now. He didn't say, let's go about halfway and then we're going to take a plunge. No, he said, get in the boat, boys. We are going across. He didn't promise them smooth sailing. He didn't promise there wouldn't be a storm. And he didn't tell them that they were in for the ride of their life. But he did say, let's cross over to the other side. And so it is with us today. Riding in the boat with Jesus won't be a boring ride. Ah, and neither will it always be smooth sailing. But all that we have to do is simply buckle our seat belts and hang on. He will get us to the other side. The ninth thing that I see in this story is the astonishment. Verse 41, they feared exceedingly and they said to one another, Who? Can this be? King James Version, the real Bible. What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
Oh, friend, if you have been serving God very long, you too have been astonished at the workings of our Lord. Friend, I have seen God come through me. I have seen God come through for me and for the churches that I have pastored over and over and over and over again. I have been astonished. I have been amazed at the hand of God and what God has been able to do and what man could never do and in impossible situations oh, and in different situations and times in my life and in the life of the churches that I pastored. However, about Everybody else was waving the white flag. Everybody else was giving up. But just about that time, we see Jesus coming along. Amen. And he does for us what we could never do for ourselves. Amen. What an astonishment it is to see the hand of God in our lives. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he's done back yonder, he can do today. What he can do today, he can do again tomorrow. Well, the tenth thing that I see here this morning, and I think ten points is enough, don't you? Ah, we've finally arrived, and that's what point ten is, the arrival. Oh, the arrival. Oh, good. Oh, good. Just for that, five more minutes, buddy. (laughs) The arrival. Oh, verse 35. Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. Now, there was a whole lot that happened and transpired between verses 36 and 41. But I want us to turn to chapter 5 now and look at verse number 1. And chapter 5 of Mark and verse 1 says, they came over to the other side of the sea. Friend, when God says he's going to take us somewhere, you can write it down. You can take it to the bank. He will get you there. Notice a few things about this about their arrival. Chapter 5 of Mark, look at verse 2. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately, say immediately. Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains. The demoniac of Gadara was the purpose for this trip. Jesus had heard his blood-curdling cry from across the water. And I've told you before, but the same cry that kept everybody away was the same cry that was like a magnet that drew Jesus to him. And Jesus could hear his cry from across the water. And it was a cry, a beckoning cry. And this was the purpose for the trip. And Jesus was willing to sail through the storm to get to where he was. Oh, hear me, distressed saint. Jesus has heard your cry. He has heard your cry. And he's on the way this morning. He's on the way. And I want to tell you this morning that no one or no thing can stop him from getting to you in your time of need. The title of my message today is God's Purpose. Romans 8 and 28 says that God uses everything in our life. For our good, His glory, but most of all, God uses everything in our lives to work out His 
purpose. His purpose. Say His purpose. It's not my purpose. It's not your purpose. It's His purpose. And friend, you might not know and you might not ever know till you get to heaven what God's purpose is. He seldom lets us in on the details. Oh, seldom does He let us in on the details. But He does have a purpose for everything that happens. And we simply just need to learn to trust Him. And by the way, this morning, hasn't He proven Himself to be trustworthy? Musicians and singers get back in place this morning. The disciples didn't understand why they were being led by Jesus in and through the storm. But Jesus had a purpose. It was actually twofold, I believe. I I believe one of the purposes was to teach His disciples to trust Him. And the second purpose, He was going to rescue the demoniac of Gadara. Friend, God has a purpose for everything. God is taking us somewhere. God is always at work in our lives. And He seldom lets us in on the details. He simply says, buckle up. There's turbulence ahead. Hang on. Don't jump ship. And I will take you to the place that I want you to go. And I will make of you the person that I want you to be. Amen. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're working everything according unto your purpose. And for your will. And so often we don't understand and we're human and we don't understand. God, it's not for us to understand. That old song we used to sing, you don't need to understand, you just need to hold His hand. We don't need to understand, we just need to obey. We don't need to understand, we just need to trust. We don't need to understand, we just need to buckle our seatbelt and hang on. It's going to be quite a ride. But you will get us where you want us to be. And you will make of us what you want to make of us. wonder if I could have five uh, altar workers, only five this morning, the first five, real quickly, move quickly. To stand just right in front this morning from...